This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in yet again to another installment of the show. Gosh, I'm almost hitting the 700 episode mark at this point, and this is a great example of the sort of conversations that I truly enjoy having because Andreas from the group Cabal, they're a group from Denmark, it turns out he's a bit of a thinker. Here's why. Throughout this conversation, in addition to the music, of course, we talk about music. That's what this show's all about, but it's not just about music. Also like talking about current affairs, social issues, and politics, and it turns out Andreas has his head screwed on, and we're able to discuss not a wide range of issues, but we're certainly able to touch on some issues that I think are worth talking about. So. If I could summarize my podcast in an episode, this may be a very good example. The catalyst for the conversation with Andreas is due to the launch of a third album from the group titled Magno Intertius. It is out now via Nuclear Blast. And here is a sample. If you are listening via the podcast apps, it is titled Plague Bringer. Once it's done, we'll dive into the chat. All of you on YouTube, you know the drill. Can't play music, so we're going to cut to the conversation right now. Either way. Let's go.
Hey, Andreas, how are you, mate? I'm pretty good, pretty good. Just getting ready for tour. It kicks off tomorrow. Nice. Whereabouts are you headed? Uh, most of like mainland Europe and uh, UK. Huge. Who, who are you touring with? Oh, it's uh, the Never Say Die Tour. So it's going to be Suicide Silence, After the Burial, Current, Spite, uh, Invent Animate, Us and Boundaries. Huge shows. Wow. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> Yeah, bloody oath. Have, have you done a big trek like that one before? I assume you have, but uh, this is a big show yeah, with Suicide Silence. Yeah, we've done like pretty big shows. Uh, we toured with Knock Loose along the shore earlier in the year as well. So uh, things, things are pretty good like uh, in that things regard right now. Yeah. Well, of course they are. I mean, you've got this killer album out, Magno Inertius. Yeah, thanks, and, man. And uh, it's heavy as shit, man. It's you've really <laughs> nailed it on that perspective, and I believe that's that's the strategy, if I'm not mistaken, is to make a brutally heavy album with yeah, some yeah, nice, yeah, with some nice electronic elements. Yeah, you're not far off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, is the is the album? I think it's your third album, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Do Do you think this is the album though that's going to bring you up to that next level, like you know the the Die Harders murders and the suicide silences and fit for an autopsy? Do you think it's going to get you to that level? Uh, I think it's a really, really uh, important stepping stone in getting to that level. I don't think we'll get to those guys' level just yet if we ever do. I think like that's quite a jump from where we are now. But we could definitely feel like already this album has done quite a bit for us. Also, since we signed to Nuclear Blast, we felt like that was like a huge step up for us. How did that come about with Nuclear Blast? Can you tell me the story? Yeah, um, so we were on a small German label that for some reason kicked us off. Uh, I can't remember why, but I was really happy about it because I'm not, not to be a dick, but the deal we had was not very good at all. And so we got kicked off. I remember being at my office job I had back then and we just being, yes, we're finally like free because I, I felt like our music was worth way more than we were getting, but we were like, just, we were dumb enough to sign out on for like a shitty tree record deal. Um, but then like, I man just put out the word and Hey, the cabal is available and the label started bidding and we ended up taking the blast. Sounds like an easy decision. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like there wasn't really good offers for some cool labels, but I, we just felt like Nuclear Blast had better, best offer, and they're like the Nuclear Blast. So I think they can do the most for you. In so yeah, that far was like, as, yeah, our that was like what we thought. Like it's they have like the old label we were at with like two people. This label is a hundred people. Like with. So we can really feel the difference. Like now we have an entire team like dedicated to helping us. And where on the old label, like you would have two guys doing everything. So um, like now we can really feel that people are specialized. So what our SoMe manager is just doing SoMe. Our marketing person is just doing marketing. You can really feel that people are allowed to specialize, which obviously makes them like Excel at it. Yeah, yeah. You've been doing interviews, I think, for, for a few weeks now for the album, and you've yeah, been speaking yeah. to some churches, like here in Australia, I think, for the first time, if I'm not mistaken. So has the feedback been yeah. generally very positive for you? Yeah, it's been really, really good. Like, it's been everything we hoped for. 
it's been like a few people who hated us because we used electronics in the music and you're not allowed to in true metal. So <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's not, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh yeah. but so far, like I think like all the reviews have been like around 8.59, I think is the average out of 10, which is cool. Like it doesn't honestly that stuff doesn't really matter, but it still feels good that people like it. And the fans' reception has been really, really good. So yeah. I know what you're saying. It, it it doesn't matter, but it does at the same time because it's important yeah, yeah, yeah. that you receive good feedback, valuable feedback based on the work that you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And it's also like we we like read every fucking review there is and a lot of them, like the good ones will all like a review can I can like a review a lot, even though it criticizes our music because it's like if it had, has valid points, it's like, oh shit, there's actually something mm. like food for thought, something we might need to consider. Yeah. Yeah, I know I'm I'm hearing you. There's a lot of people with some time on their hands, I think, and the social media experts out there, we all cop it. I'm just a measly podcaster and uh, we all cop it eventually. But not, no, I don't cop it that often, believe me, but yeah. especially with some Cradle of Filth fans. Yes, I do cop it from some of them because I've done a lot of interviews with the ex-members. But you're on the road yeah. and, and you're, you're meeting people. So how, how do you find meeting fans and meeting drunk people and stuff on the road? Do you enjoy that side of it? Uh, yeah, like most of our fans, like, I think like 90, 98 or 99% of them are just fucking nice people. Like I'm still like a bit baffled that people actually want to fucking come out and buy our stuff and take pictures. And like, I'm in my head, we're just still a bunch of weird dudes from Denmark who decided to play breakdowns in the basement. And now people kind of like took notice, which is cool. It's, it still feels kind of surreal. I'm really grateful that people just want to support it. So. Hmm. And like, I mean, I, yeah, on tour, I usually don't really drink anymore, but, uh, so sometimes like super drunk people can be a bit much, but most of them mean really well. So like, that's not that much of a bother. (laughs) I think there's some bands out there that need to take a leaf out of your book. That's for sure. On that front there. Yeah. Fans mean well. Okay. They might not come across that well, but fans always, almost in every instance, well, except for on Facebook and exactly. social media. That's a different, that's a completely different oh, scenario. Yeah. In, in the flesh, yeah. it's a different thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you're, the, you're the second band from Denmark that I've spoken to in 24 hours. So I had a good chat to oh, really? the, yeah, to the basis from Disneyland After Dark, DAD. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. That was like a band I feel like everyone like in our band listened to as kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're a huge, they're a huge fucking deal over back home. Yeah. I feel like they were also like big all over the world, at least for a while. Like they were popular in Australia in the late 80s, funnily enough. Uh that we though we were their first overseas territory to get a really high chart ranking. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's I also feel been, like the thing with Australia and Denmark and Scandinavian countries in general, where we'd sort of do well in each other's territories. Yeah, it's it is actually true. There's like a lot of Australian bands who do well over here as like yeah, I never really we, thought about that, but now that you pointed out, I can actually like see this. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I went through uni with a bunch of Scandinavians. There are there are a few Danes, not many, but heaps of Norwegians and a lot of Swedish people. And we seem to have something in common. It's something that makes no sense. And I, and I spoke to Thomas Haki from from Meshuggah about the same thing, and he agreed. It's this this thing that sort of exists that nobody can sort of put a finger on why it actually has happened, but. Here we are. We all seem to get along for some reason. (laughs) Not complaining about that. That's always a good thing. Yeah, indeed it is. Yeah. 
So just talking about the album again, I was reading the press of the John sent through and it states that the uh, theme on the album is the great decay that's happening all around us. So it's hard not to see that anywhere, but (laughs) in what, what aspects of this great decay that's going on, you know, in American politics and even European politics, certainly here in Australia, it's going on this rise of woke and all this bullshit, you know, I mean, is that, is that what you're referring to or is it the, or is it more about uh, something else? The rise of what? I didn't catch that. Oh, you know, woke culture and, you know, people being put into boxes and. Yeah. I, I feel like there's like, with woke. I think for the most part, a lot of woke culture as I'm like, I'm a diehard leftist. So I think like oh, to right? a certain extent, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, we're from Denmark, we're a socialist country. So our left right scale starts like to the left of where everybody else begins. Mm. So we are like by, again, by nature, I think we're pretty much left leaning, most of us, because we kind of brought up in it. But I think like the thing I was kind of like referring to was kind of like how the inherent selflessness of humanity kind of like mm. really got to shine during like the pandemic and shit. Like mm. one good example was being like from our own country, like we had a shit ton of vaccines left over, but we wouldn't like more than we could use, but there was like, we did not want to send them to like poorer countries who didn't have anything and like all that shit. Like, so we'd rather just let them die. Like, mm. uh, so which felt kind of bad being here, but like, Oh shit, I do not agree with this. Um, and also like fucking world war three on the rise, probably like a thousand kilometers from where we live. Mm-hmm. Like, so all of this, it just feels like, and like fucking the, what's it called? Inflation and like gas, right? Everything's just going up. People have to sell like, we're like standing right before like a major cri- financial crisis hmm. and yeah there's like yeah also the whole like uh human rights thing in the america america was also like influential but this it seemed like there was so much fucking bad shit going on fucking australia caught fire in the beginning of 2020 it was like the climate changes and now you guys are flooded right or yeah, but I got to look. One thing I'll say though is we've always had bushfires and we've always had floods. There's an old there's an old poem by Dorothy McKellar that talks about that. And uh, yeah. I just think in this modern era, everything gets weaponized. Okay, to to, to your point. But I think yeah. if I can state this, what I feel like you're a smart fella. I can sense that. Okay, I bet you're able to hold a, hold a conversation with someone who has traditional right wing or conservative views without yeah, yeah, yeah. without punching somebody in the face. And that's what's missing these days is that centrist yeah. perspective of just being able to have a conversation. And when I talk about the decay, it's this rise of the woke and the finger pointing. And you either believe in this or we're going to kill you. But you know, metaphorically yeah. speaking, and that's, yeah, and that's, that's a lot of the views are coming through. Yeah, it's just toxic yeah. what's going on at the moment. It is, but at the same time, I'd rather I would pick that toxicity. I feel like it's going too far a lot of the time. Like also yeah. like fucking crucifying somebody something like somebody tweeted something 10 years ago. Like they like you're entirely like yeah. new person. Like I said dumb shit 10 years ago that I shouldn't say. And I know <laughs> that I've changed like I think most people times change. So like you can't really I feel don't think you can be held accountable to the same standards like of today. The thing now is like now you have a digital like footprint, people will be able to go back. Yeah. Um, so that that stuff is bullshit. But I'd rather have like the more woke uh, leading uh kind of like tendencies than like the counterpart of like, oh, I don't know, fucking Andrew Tate and all that bullshit, like the misogynist stick, like uh mm-hmm. yeah, 
traditional values, which aren't even like traditional. It's just yeah, outdated. It just seems like a parody on traditional values, guys like Andrew Tate. I understand where you're yeah, coming yeah. from with that one there. Yeah, I think he's a bit of an outlier though. Blokes yeah, like yeah that, luckily, you know. the only thing is that he took up so much of the like media time, like that, like you would like he would be in front of impressionable like dumb young kids like all the time and like mm. i know when i was fucking 14 our like brain was fucking melted i didn't know what the fuck was going on so yeah. i could see like how it could have like kind of like a damaging effect because it gets like it gets so much media attention yeah yeah, I, I hear, I hear. Yeah, I, I, I'm in my 40s, so I don't, like, I only know who he is because I see him come up on Twitter and stuff and yeah, I go, yeah, okay, yeah. who is this guy? And then I read about it and go, okay, that's who he is there and don't pay any attention, you know, but I understand what you're saying with the young people. We've always had an element of that with these tools that get out there on both sides of the aisle, left and right wing yeah, politics yeah. Who've, who have who put their hands up and really they they're using politics as a means to attract attention to themselves. Because that's when you scratch yeah. the surface, I think that's what it's about. Yeah, it's it's just uh, populism. It's not it's just about getting elected so they can like further their own personal agenda. They feel like people like that, like with a lot of politics, that's a problem here in Denmark. They don't give a flying fuck about like actually changing anything. They just want mm. to get like the cozy position, stay in parliament. So they'll just say whatever they need to say. Like once it's time for election, same we here. just had that in Denmark. Yeah, yeah, same here. It's same, same in all Western democracies. Yeah, yeah, it's such bullshit. So, yeah, that that's also one of the things I'm really like mad about. Just like again, it feels like the world is falling apart, and the people in power don't give a flying fuck about it because they just like they just want to get rich. Yeah, yeah. All right, politics is. It's uh, the mechanism of politics is about the worst way to have leaders running a country, isn't it? And we all yeah, seem it, to understand that, but it's it's the only mechanism we can all agree on. Westminster system, like we've got in Australia and Canada and the UK, and I think you've got something similar yeah, there in Denmark, like with it. You've got an upper and lower house and a senate and that sort of thing. Is that how it works there? Uh, we have like uh, 179 like members of parliament. Do yeah, members of different. Uh, different parties and then we have like one prime prime minister who will be like like who like the prime minister will be in the leading party like the one who gets most votes and stuff sure yes yeah, uh, yep. so and they have to kind of collaborate on on stuff like hmm. um but yeah it's like honestly it feels like no matter who's in charge it doesn't really change anything unfortunately like it's to me, it feels like a lot of that shit is just empty words. That's at least what most of them have. Like they say, they promise a bunch of things and then nothing happens. Like no matter if it's like left wing or right wing, like government. I like that. I was listening to Joe Rogan and somebody on his podcast a couple of years ago said that all elected officials or words, paraphrasing here, of course, I won't get it completely right, but elected officials need to go and take ayahuasca or LSD. Yeah, before they enter into parliament and they're passing bills and this sort of thing. I absolutely agree with that. It's not as absurd as it sounds. No, I am very like, I think that will would help a lot. Or maybe because there's also the thing, like I don't think that psychopaths or sociopaths, they will benefit the same way as you, like either you and me would from something like that. And that, with saying that, I just feel like that's a lot of the people who get attracted to being in these positions of power are yeah. 
people with those kind of like, I always want to call it a mental handicap, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's about on point. It's a, it's such a weird job. There are some, there are some great local, I, I believe you can be very effective at a local level. We have local government councils yeah. here and like you know, cleaning footpaths and making sure that there's nice parks and, and stuff. But, and then the job of government is really to ensure that taxes are spent effectively on infrastructure planning processes rather than trying to get themselves constantly re-elected and on bullshit things. And it's just, it goes on so often. It doesn't matter which Western democracy you live in, it seems to happen. And, and the reason I'm singling out Western democracies is we've, we are the, the system, we have the systems that people from all the other parts of the world want to come into. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. there's not, what I'm saying is there's not Danes or Australians trying to get into Rwanda. Okay, except no, as their no. business people, but they're all Rwandans want to come to Australia and to Denmark. So we've still got that. We're still the torchbearers of all that is fair and all that is just in Western democracies. And yeah, let's see how long that keeps going on. Like, yeah. Do Do you think, think we're Do you think we're close to Do you think we're close to maybe it not being the case in Western? Let's call it Western excellence, for lack of any other description. Oh, dude. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's way in decline. I feel like all the flaws are like becoming more and more apparent and like it's also collapsing capitalism seems to be kind of like also on the verge of starting to collapse on us what so, makes you say like, that though but i'm just curious what, what makes you say that it's the figure is like it's built in the way so now we have like the one percent with like being like the what's it called what, oh, what's the word like the way we kind of like the the, divide or... our resources yeah so like it's like America, take for America, America for an example. It's supposed to be like the capitalist dream, like where everybody can go and there's equal opportunity, but that's not really. So like the poor is getting like poorer and poorer, and the rich, uh, rich people are getting richer and richer. And we, I feel like we kind of see that all over the world, where like divide comes so much bigger, and like we have more and more people living beneath like the poverty line and stuff like that. Feels so mm -hmm. like this model that we what wouldn't fail is kind of failing when we also always have like we think the problem is we are so focused on continuous growth even though that's not like it's not, not sustainable. sustainable yeah exactly and that's why will every like like handful of years we'll have like the economy will collapse the stock market will fuck up and like people will like get fucked over because it's continuous growth isn't really like ideal it's at some point it will crumble like if you keep building on like unstable foundation what what system of governance do you believe and what sort of market economy could replace democracy and capitalism oh, i'm not really sure i do believe that like the free market isn't a bad idea i'm not actually against it uh i just feel like we need to have more regulations like because r right now like especially like with big conglomerates they like one thing they can do, like I know McDonald's do it here, and like, they'll have like they'll be in tax exemptions. They make so much money, but they'll make sure they'll find like loopholes to make sure they don't have to pay taxes in the places. So one of the things that I know has been proposed and they're working on is like doing global taxes for conglomerates. Hmm. Because so they'll so basically what'll happen is be a, like a bunch of countries will go together and be like, you can't sell anything in our country unless you pay the set amount of taxes uh, because like we, the thing is we just need to have a lot enough countries to do it because like if all of Europe went to McDonald's and said, Hey, you're not selling anything here until you start paying taxes, they would like to just 
that one that's one of the biggest markets they would just have to do it there's like no arguing uh but right now they are just allowed to like uh, dodge paying like taxes even though they're making the most money like the same with amazon mm. all of that shit like so i feel like something to kind of like combat those like yeah huge ass conglomerates who are like uh mm. driving like a very unethical form of business you're not wrong and all of their labor forces into third world or developing countries yeah, exactly. china india parts of africa it's bullshit i know but this is the thing about yeah. virtue signaling right it's you know where you're all using phones made in china wearing yeah. nikes made in china again and or clothes Taiwan, that yeah. are Taiwan or, or 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 even worse bank or clothes that are made in bangladesh or women are locked up women are yeah, locked yeah. up inside of buildings that, that do burn down with the women still inside yeah. of them. And yet people aren't looking at folk, people aren't, these so-called activists aren't looking at that. They're not taking a flat approach. They're only looking at the West and saying the West is fucked, let's look at this. Whereas it's yeah. going, okay, so a lot of this labor is supplying products that come into the West. Okay, but what are we doing about labor laws? What are we doing about influencing labor laws in countries where yeah. we're wearing shit that comes from these yeah. countries? And exactly. what are we doing at making things more fair and equitable there? I'm not saying that you know you, you don't wear things and stuff. Of course you've got to because no, no. Yeah. you know it's hard not it's to a, like how like well it's a globalist economy meaning that like if yeah. you're not that's that that's one way to support them it's just we're talking about the conditions not the fact that they're doing it you know and no uh, it's fine that they do it they just need to do it under proper conditions and i think that might be like the biggest takeaway of this is like we need to because the world we're living in a like more and more like globalized world we need to have globalized laws so kind of like because you again, you have these big ass conglomerates who can just operate in like all over the world, so they'll mm. find loopholes in all the different laws. So we need to have something to combat them and make sure they kind of like at least like treat like their workers as humans and stuff like that. But it's also a very big undertaking, and I'm just some fucking musician from Denmark, so it's like I have my ideas, but like there's probably a ton of shit I don't know anything about that's like. That will make something like that very hard to do. I disagree with you on that. You're articulate. You know, we're not going to agree on every yeah, yeah. point, but you're articulate and you've thought about things before you speak. And and one of the one of the things. See, I'm a big believer in the academic approach. Let's just let just me call it. I'll call yeah. it that. Okay. So scientific approach to things that can be whether it's climate or what have you. Okay. But especially with some of the things you're talking about, just use an academic approach and methodically go through things and talk about them. Key point without getting emotional. And you haven't done that. You're just talking, yeah, yeah. which is great. You can do that. Too many. I am people... also an academic. So. Oh, whereabouts? Whereabouts are you studying? Uh, I... I, I, I don't don't start anymore, but I did my my bachelor's in communications and digital medias. Uh-huh. Right yeah, around cool. when we started out the band. I feel like most of our band is actually we have one journalist, we have one bioengineer, and one teacher, and uh one sound tech <laughs> and one guy who's a producer. But most like half of the band have been like went to college and stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah, I went to uni and became a journalist as well. And that's where my, yeah, well, that's what I was curious before, but I recognized that I needed the academic framework around. Otherwise, you're just talking shit. You're just making things up, basically. And if you're not, if your ideas aren't tested in in an examination room or through assessments, what are you? You're just talking head, you know? And I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm getting the the picture from you, mate, that I'm not not saying go ahead and do it, but I mean, if ever you, this is why this (laughs) has been such a great chat, because I think in the metal scene, there's too many inarticulate fuckwits that say things 
but you're not one of them. And we need more people like you in the scene, to be quite honest. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. <laughs> you know. Hey, have you got yeah. have you got another one coming up in five minutes? Or uh we've got No, I'm content? good, man. We have all the time in the world. This is like my last one before I start packing up my shit and heading out to the rehearsal space and meeting <laughs> up with the guys. I'll I'll talk about the music again. Uh the yeah. guitar work, I particularly like the track Insatiable. Okay, on the oh, album. Yeah. The guitar work on that is just killer. But what's your favorite track on the album? Uh, it, it does vary a bit like we've it's that's changed like 10 times over because we've like we finished the album in i think like in december last year so mm. we've listened to it so much before it came out um i think right now one of at least like one of the songs i enjoy playing the most is exsanguination mm. it's because it's it's fun and bouncy and then it has like that fucking ass beat or breakdown in the end yeah which always gets people going, which I like seeing the reaction of like a heartbreak down hitting and people just be like, oh. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, that was, I, I don't think Insatiable, it's not a video, is it? You haven't got a video for that oh. one? It's an album cut? Yeah, I tend to get into the album yeah. cuts, I've got to say. It's uh, just one of the characters yeah, yeah, yeah. my taste, you know. But uh, It's also, yeah. I really like Insatiable as well. I like, I like all the songs because we made them. <laughs> <laughs> The album cover too. I'm drawn to that. It reminds it's got a bit of a exorcist feel to it. Is that what you were going for there, or something else? Uh, yeah, kind of like also inspired. Uh, we were heavily inspired by the Midsummer movie. Awesome, awesome film. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, and it's actually one of our good friends on the album cover. We've like so far we've only like we did the EP, but all of our full lengths has been like pictures of we just used friends and family. Like the first record. Was a drummer's dad to be dressed up, and uh-huh. the second record was one of my all oh, good friends called Nima. Uh, and, like we dragged him across the floor in his face and took pictures of it, and I think he enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then this time it's our friend, a girl called Mia, who's actually an act Danish actor. Mm. We used in some of our videos, and we we're just like, "Hey, can we use the face on the album cover as well?" So, yeah, of course. So, have you got merch with the image? On the front is that how you've done the uh, merch not yet actually we think we gave some designs to nuclear blast i don't know if they might be for sale actually already i haven't kept track on that i think there's a hoodie with her face on it and okay yeah and if they're not using it we're just gonna do it ourselves because i think it's pretty cool oh yeah yeah for sure yeah no, that's it yeah Hey, something else, you've, you've certainly played and when I say played live, so, sure, but you've also had appearances on your albums from Tribune's Matt Heafy. He's got a new track out today, funnily enough, his solo thing. Um, oh, yeah, Ibaraki, I think it's called. Spot on, yeah. I can never pronounce yeah. it, but, uh, yeah, that sounds about right. So it's a video game music or something or music for a video game or competitive oh, yeah. video gaming. Yeah, but for CSGO, I think it is. Something like that, yeah. yeah. It doesn't sound yeah. too bad. I've, I've got a music show and I'll be playing it on that in the next one. It's uh, been interesting yeah. to see his evolution, but he certainly worked with you guys. Yeah, and... we did it. Like, he was on the last record. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think so. I couldn't name the track. I just read the bio and um, I thought oh, that yeah, was yeah. pretty that was, impressive. That was from the last record. Uh, and we also had Jamie from Polaris on, on that record as well. Just that's something that we really enjoy. Like, I am... Like first and foremost, also a music fan. Mm. So getting to work with people in bands that I really like is just fucking a dream come true. Like, 
Well, there's that so, there's that Scandinavian Aussie connection again because not not only did you have the fellow from Polaris, but you had CJ uh, McMahon from uh, Die Hard yeah, yeah. as well. So there you yeah, go. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Had him on the first record. It was also he killed it, and that also I feel like that helped give us like an initial push to like for people to kind of like take us seriously in some sense. Like that there was like this name that people knew attached to it. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, so people have just been really awesome, and like most people we've asked, and like I just hit them up on Instagram. We're like, hey, I have the song sent to them. Like, really like what you're doing. If we'd love, if you want to jump on it, and like most people have just been like, yeah, that sounds cool. I'm down. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, that's how you do it these days. Electronic media, and you don't even need to be in the same continent. You can just file share, and yes. away you go. <laughs> yes, and exactly. Is so it- that's also yeah. But is there, is there who's on the bucket list then? Because you've you know they're pretty big headers, so no doubt there's some yeah. others on the horizon. Oh yeah, there's like there's obviously a bunch of people that we would like to do something with. I think like our top pick is probably Ghostmane, just because he's like he's very metal adjacent. I know he used to play in a hardcore band, so he he knows what it's about. But what he's what he does is still very different, which is something that we kind of look for. Mm-hmm. Like in collaborations, like so we'll always pick somebody where we know, like this is just like perfect fit because they're kind of like doing something very similar to us. But then, like having somebody like Matt from Trivium is like, okay, that's kind of a lift field pick. So it's just fun to see, okay, what what will happen if we pick, if we like invite some somebody who makes something that's very different to us onto a track, like how does that going to turn out? What kind of like new stuff are they bringing is there something like we can learn something from and like carry on like forward yeah 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 that's great yeah i mean the, the world's your oyster after this album here i i hope to uh hope to catch up with you guys in australia that's for sure so is that potentially on the horizon yeah we we really want to go uh we actually we got offered to do uh, i've been telling your story in every australian interview but we got offered to do it a, a tour uh, as a headliner Mm. Um, and like I can't remember who it was like some booking company they wanted like they pay our flights our visas transportation and also give us like uh, what's it called like a guarantee on every show and but we actually ended up declining because it was such a good offer and we haven't really played down under yet so we're like we don't want this like super awesome dude to lose all his money because we sold 40 tickets so <laughs> I think we're, we're going to yeah. try to to get a support tour first, just to test out the water, see does anybody actually know us? And then if that goes well, we'll hit the guy up and like take up on this offer. Very smart. That's the right way to yeah. go about it. Yeah. The venues, the issues down here, the venues after COVID are still sorting out who's open and where's oh, where. A little, yeah, a little bit. They're still like, you know, a band is booked here and last minute it gets changed to here. And I don't know what the reasoning is behind that. Maybe it's for a bigger room or what have you, but we're starting to see the rise of suburban venues. So not even in the Brisbane city, you know, we've only got one venue now, no, two, maybe three, but one dedicated metal venue after we used to have a couple. And um, there's only one dedicated metal venue. And I've got to be honest with you, it's fucking shit. Yeah, well... That's the problem. Yeah, it's Blood Incantation just played there the other night, and uh, you could yeah. you could see them, but you're like a sardine, and it's not comfortable in yeah. there. And it, it just makes you think twice about going again, if you know what I'm saying, if you're on the fence about seeing a band, and that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's that's a bit of a bummer that like it comes down to the venue, but that does make sense. Like if it's 
a shitty experience going to this place in my head. Like it's crammed, it's shit sound, there's no AC or something like that. It's like, I, I get that you might be like, oh, I really need to want to see this band to go like put myself through that shit. Like you get it. That's the issue. Just yeah. I think the, the agent should have booked a bigger venue. Maybe they were just hedging their bets like what you're talking about. The bloody incantation of being down here before and I, I mean, I wouldn't have, been, yeah. have a clue. I've spoken to Morris and I actually met him at the gig, but uh, the, yeah. I mean, who knows how big some bands are. Some, mate, some bands come down and you go, Where, yeah. how does everybody know about these bands? You know, because I don't know anybody who knows the band, but yet, well, here we yeah. all are. And other bands seriously play to 40 people. Yeah. Like, like the- Prong. Prong played to about 40 people in Brisbane one night Re- when, I, when I went. Really? There, so. I thought that was like a legendary band. They are. Believe me, I've been a Prong fan. We're one of the first heavy proper heavy bands I ever got into back in like 91 or whatever. And, and, uh, there was fuck all people there. And it was, it was a shame because you could, the band, they put on a good show. Tommy Victor's awesome front man, but this is about 10 years ago, by the way. So things might've shifted in the sand since, but I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I don't think we'll see them again. That's the issue. I, you know, after that, yeah, happens, yeah. it's, it sort of kills it, you know, but exactly. Uh, you guys aren't on the down. You guys are on the up. So I think you, you know, yeah, you've got a good head on your shoulders. And I hope so. I hope that like, it seems like everything is kind of like panning out right now, which is really nice after having like two years of just sitting on ass, like losing an entire album cycle and like all of that. So, uh, yeah, it's just it made the really fans, good. <laughs> the fans are more rabid now for it. I'll say, I, th- I, I think it could have gone one of two ways. But yeah. all of the gigs of I went and saw Ripper too, Ripper Owens toured, and uh, there was a shitload of people at that gig, and that's you know he tracks everybody, older people in their sixties even, old Judas Priest fans to like eighteen year olds who are just getting into metal. So people are out and about, man. They're uh, and they've got the money because even though inflation and stuff, I get what you're saying before it's going yeah. up, but mate, where, where do you, what, what do you want to do if you're a heavy metal fan? You want to watch the bands? Yeah, exactly, and you'll just like eat a pizza list or something like that like yeah you'll skip a meal some days i mean shit i was i was young obviously you know when i was in my yeah. youth mate i remember i was I remember having tiny bits of chicken and lettuce just to sort of get by and you just got to do that <laughs> sometimes if you want to lead the life you want to lead <laughs> yeah i did the same thing man i was like studying and playing in, in two three bands at one point just like and still working but Copenhagen is like one of the most expensive cities in europe so yeah i was just like Okay, I have like two hundred dollars each month for food and everything, so oh, I just have right. to make make it do and just just be like, oh, I remember sometimes like going out of town, getting drunk and like spending too much money on beer, like oh shit, that's my food project for, <laughs> for like the rest of the week. Oh, Guess I'm no. just eating. Then it's like three cans of baked beans for the, like a day. For ah, oh, yeah, yeah, it teaches resilience though, doesn't it? It does. And it, the cool thing is now, even though I don't make a lot of money, I still feel like I have a lot because I'm like, I'm used to being fucking broke all the time. And now I'm like, I'm not, I just have normal money. I'm like, <laughs> I wish I can buy, buy shit and doesn't even <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're living the dream too. You're literally in the 1% of the 1% being able to tour and different places yeah. and stuff. It's, it's, but you were, I'm not saying you haven't earned it. You worked hard for it. Clearly. No. And, yeah, but we and you've got the yeah, talent yeah. and it's happened. But but it's a great thing though, isn't it? To live that life, to finally live that life. It is. It's really cool. But we're also at like the point right now where it's like, it is the dream, but the dream also comes with like 
some unpleasantries, like in the sense of that, like we, the band, the band doesn't make enough money to support it. In like all of us full time, like some of us like make, will be able to work part time on it, and we'll yeah. like get paid a bit after tours if they go well and stuff. So like we're we're making money on the music now, which is fucking cool and like a dream come true. But at the same time, it also like the way we the amount of stuff we're doing also makes it really hard. You can't really have a normal job on the side. Like, so most of us are doing like, I do music videos on the side and stuff like, so people have to kind of like have a side hustle to make ends meet. What do you use? Use Premiere Pro or other programs? Yeah, yeah. I just use Premiere Pro. That's my favorite and After Effects. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with that, I mean, it's I got taught that at uni as well, and that's what I do the podcast with, and I I don't use the basic functions because I don't need to do anything else with it. But no, certainly, no. it's it's how much time have you got in your hands to learn. It's certainly got a lot of features and stuff, characteristics of the of the application that allows you to do heaps of things, as you well know. Yeah, you do so much with that program. Like that's also like because I work primarily in a metal band. That means there's like not a lot of budget to work with. So it's always mm. be like, hmm. How can we make something cool where we have like a hundred dollars in budget? And a lot of that is just like in being good at editing, just thinking creatively and being like like working out cool angles and stuff like that. So you can do like I like doing a lot with a little. Yeah. Well, you you learn to be frugal, don't you? And there's so many YouTube videos out there these days that teach you different things. People are quite smart. And yeah, they, yeah. You, you go, I'm stuck on this bit. Go to YouTube, bang, there's the answer. Yeah, exactly. That's so like, usually there'll be something where I'm like, oh, it could be cool to do something like that. Is that possible? Just Google it. Like, oh, okay, some guy did it and this is how he did it. I'm just going to like build on that. Like, Yeah, yeah. You just got to have a bit of talent, but by and large, the application can do most things for you, provided you're willing to do the work to work out how to get things done. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with it all. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can no, do so sure. much if you just want to put in the time to figure out how to do it. Like in life, my friend. Yeah, that's a good analogy for life. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I'll let you get to rehearsal, brother. It's been fantastic having a chat with you. I've enjoyed this one a lot, actually. I haven't done a lot lately, actually. I've just been so tired and busy. I'm doing my master's too at the moment, so I've just been oh, flat shit. out. Being flat yeah. out with everything. And then I've got a gig myself tomorrow night, so I play covers, so I've had to learn stuff. But uh, I, uh, well, I means you get paid, probably. <laughs> yeah, don't get paid. We get paid 300 bucks a night, so it's not bad. Like, oh. I mean, put it this way, it's never going to pay off all of this shit. You know, I could be, <laughs> no, no, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I worked out that I've got to be playing for 30 or 40 years before I even pay off the stuff I own, you know, at that rate of 300 bucks <laughs> a night. Because I, yeah, okay. I only play like twice a month, three times a month. It's, I'm not saying it's not rare, yeah, but okay. it's, not, it's sort of, it's regular, but not often, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I, I've enjoyed your album, album, and I'll continue to enjoy it, mate. It's uh, it's Thank certainly so up much. there, and it's 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 vying for the top ten in album of the year. I'll tell you that now. So yes. it's it's up there, mate. It'll probably make it. So congratulations just for that alone, but everything else too, brother. Thank you so much, man. Have a really good evening. You have a great day, brother. Hope to see you down here. Yes, see you, man. Catch you, mate. No worries. Bye. Bye. Well, there he is, ladies and gentlemen, Andreas from the group Cabal. What a nice fella. I I really appreciate that he was willing to go there and actually have a chat without putting parameters on it and say, hey, we're just musicians or what have you and we don't know about politics. Bullshit. You do know about politics. And I meant what I said throughout the conversation there. Andreas, I'm not saying he undersold himself somewhat, but he is articulate. 
And from that perspective, if he decided that he was willing to go there and have a conversation, particularly because he is more of the persuasion of the left, the left needs far more articulate people. At the moment, it is just the woke bullshit that is like a huge tide and the wokeness is just a version of insanity as far as I'm concerned. The left needs people like Andreas to stand up and to have their voices heard. It's very rational. Okay, if you like that chat, there aren't many more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com, but the point is, if you like listening to conversations with musicians, there you go. There are tons more over at scarsandguitars.com. And maybe if you like listening, you like reading too, because I've written a book, Scars and Guitars, Volume 1, Conversations from the World of Heavy Metal and Beyond. Click the link in the banner on the front page of the website and you'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice and you can download a sample. If you do complete the purchase, let me know because I want to thank you personally. And on that note, I've got plenty more to say about the book. But before I do... I want to bid you a very fond farewell and I want to thank you very much again for listening. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast. Until next time, it is a very goodbye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew Mackay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the... I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, 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 just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he, he was very, you know, very open-minded and and he was into having his, his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for, for the best stuff that they have. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. 
you know, my name is John Five, and Manson gave me that name, and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Exactoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.